Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. But I want to continue to talk with you about what the Lord's laid on my heart as we go into, I mean, really think about the times that we're living in right now. Uh, very chaotic times, um, very divided times. And, and so God's really laid some things on my heart. And, and God's been speaking to us over several weeks now about the church need, the church need to arise in these last days. We need to arise. The church needs to arise, arise in these last days. Now, let me just kind of walk back a little bit and, and remind you of what the definition of arise is. Arise is a verb. It's an action verb. It means that we're moving. We're doing something. Arise means to come alive and to take a position. Come alive and take a position. Arise also means to become visible. To become visible and also it means to be active in power. And it's time. I'm just telling you, friend, as your pastor here and as a man who loves God and loves you, it's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to arise and come up out of our sleep, to come alive and to wake up spiritually. Look around at what's going on in our world today and we need to wake up spiritually to the things of God. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to take a position. We need to take a righteous position. I would say, just for me, from what I've looked at over the last several years, that one of the problems with what's going on in our culture today is the church has failed to arise and take a position. We've been silent too long. And it's time for the church not to arise with hate and not to arise with anger, but to arise and take a righteous position according to the word of God. We need to arise and take a position. We need to be visible. The church needs to arise and be visible. We need to be visible to a lost world who needs Jesus. We talk about people on the news that are hiding. How about the church? The church has been hiding. And we need to make ourselves visible. We need to be active in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need more than ever for the Holy Spirit to fill us in the days that we live in. Listen, the thing that God's assigned to us, the task that God has called us to, we will never be able to do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us so we can have a boldness for God. We need to be active in the power of the Holy Spirit. And over the last couple of weeks, God's been speaking to us about what the church can do, what the church can do, what the church can arise and can do in these chaotic and unstable times so we can see our nation return back to God. How many of you want to see that happen? I mean, I I, I look at my 17-year-old son, my 13-year-old son. I look at the kids that are involved in this church and the families. I mean, I, I desperately want to see our nation turn back to God, not just for me, but for my kids and, and your, your kids and grandkids and whoever it may be. I want to see our nation turn back to God. And so there's some things that we can do as a church 
And we've already learned a few things over the last few weeks. We've learned what we can do. God, God wants us to turn back to him. What can we do? God wants us to turn back to him in repentance. We need to turn back to him in repentance. That means we need to turn away from sin and turn to God. Hello? Church people, whoever, we need to turn from sin and turn back to God. What can we do? God wants us to seek him and call out to him in prayer. What can we do? God wants us to fast for our nation, and we're going to do that. I'm calling the church starting next Sunday, a 10-day fast that we're going to be praying and fasting for our nation. It's going to start next Sunday. There's going to be information going out this week, and we're going to fast for 10 days right into the election. We're going to be fasting and declaring that God's will be done for our nation. Amen. Amen. It's not time for us to play, it's time for us to pray, and it's time for us to fast for our nation, and we're going to start that next Sunday, a 10-day fast. So what can we do? We can repent. What can we do? We can pray. What can we do? We can fast. What can we do? I told you last week. What can we do? We can be a united church, a church with one purpose, and that's to carry out God's assignment and God's purpose. That's what we can do. And the church needs to arise and do all these things. And all these things are great, but listen to me this morning. The most important thing in God's eyes that we can do, listen to me, here it is. The most important thing we can do, prayer is important, repentance is important, fasting is important, being united in God's purpose is important. But the one thing that we need to do, and we can't miss it, is we need to arise in love. We need to arise in love. And God wants his church. He wants his church to arise in love to one another. In the days that we live in, no doubt, they're difficult days. There's crisis, there's hardship, uh, there's division. And if there's ever been a time for the church to arise in love, it's the time we're living in now. We need to arise in love. We need to be vis visibly expressing the love of God to a culture that's lacking love. They're talking about trying to find a vaccine for the COVID. How about a vaccine for all the hatred? You know what the vaccine for all the hatred is? It's love. It's love. It's the love of God. In our world that we live in today, our world, our culture, our nation, we, we need a big dose of love today. The church needs to arise in love because love is powerful. Love is powerful. Listen, love overcomes hatred Love gives hope to the hopeless. Love breaks down walls. Love builds bridges. Love changes hearts. Love changes people. Listen, I'm just telling you today, God is calling the church, you and me, because we're the church, to arise and be a reflection of his love by loving one another in these crazy and chaotic times. But how many of you all know this morning that that's not easy to do? I mean, don't think, well, I'm going to wake up today and oh, I'm going to just meditate a minute and I'm just going to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a loving person. I, I'm, I'm, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And 30 minutes later, it's just all gone haywire. Because this kind of love that God is calling us to is not a love that we can try to work up. It's a love that comes from God. It's a supernatural love. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with God's spirit because the Bible says that the fruit of the spirit is what? Love. That's the very first fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love. 
And we need to arise in love in these difficult and divided days. And we need to let God's spirit, the source of love, fill us. Every one of us need to be filled today with the Holy Spirit so we can have the fruit of love in our life. If we've ever needed to have the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of love, we need it today, the day that we live in. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning. That was just the introduction. (laughs) Open your Bibles this morning. Because the Bible, guess what? The Bible is a book of love. It's a book of love. And and Jesus speaks about love all throughout the New Testament there. And and there's a passage I want to share with you. It's found in John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Now let me just give you the context of what's going on here. Jesus is in an upper room with his followers and, and he's teaching them and he's loving on them. And, and you, you remember in John 13 that Jesus is there with them and he's right there before he's to be crucified and give his life. And he's pouring love. He's pouring love into his followers. He's pouring love into them. And, and, and he, remember he washes their feet. And, and after he washes their feet, he tells them that they should serve one another. And he talks to them about a few other things. And then he stops. And then he says, this, this new command I give you. This new command I give you. Now, that word new command, it, it's a Greek word. And I wish I was smart enough to pronounce it because it would sound awesome. But that, that Greek word means it's a mandate. It's a new mandate that I'm giving you. So Jesus is saying, this is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. I'm getting ready to give you a new mandate. It's a command for you to do as God's people. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new command or a new mandate, a new command I give you. These are the words of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. Aren't you thankful that Jesus has loved you? Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this all, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Let me read it one more time. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. Jesus is giving his disciples a mandate. He's given them this command. And I want you to notice, first of all, who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to his disciples. Do you remember who his disciples are? His, oh my goodness, his disciples are made up of a diverse group. You got uh, carpenters, fishermen, tax collectors that work for the government. All different kinds of people are, are these followers of Christ. And, and they're, they're rugged people, they're messed up people, they have failures and they have flaws. But Jesus says, I love you. And because I love you, I want you to love others. Don't you thankful that even in our mess ups and our flaws and our failures, that Jesus still loves us? And he was talking to his disciples and he was telling them that he loved them and that love should carry over into others. And he says this, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. By what? What will it be? What will it be to indicate that you're my disciples? It will be love. So what marks us as Christians? What marks us as Christians? Not, not the name of the church that we're attending today. That doesn't mark us as Christians. Not, not the way we dress. Uh, not the Bible or the version of the Bible we carry. What marks us as Christians is love. Jesus said it's love. They will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. 
Man, it's amazing how the Lord works. This past Wednesday, I was coming here into the church and uh, some, I call it a divine appointment, a divine, I don't want to call it a divine interruption, it was a divine appointment. I pulled up here in the parking lot at the church on Wednesday and there was this elderly lady walking through our parking lot. And so I got out of my car and I walked over to where she was at and she began to talk to me and her name was Miss Violet. Not Violet, but Violet. And, and she was around eight, she was close to 80 years old and she was from the Kenansville area and she was looking some information about a health screening that we're gonna be doing here at our church in a, uh, several days, but she wanted to come on and drive over here so she knew where the place was exactly at because she can't see good, she can't drive good, Lord help us. And, and so she wanted to come find the place. And so we're there in the parking lot and I was talking to this precious lady and, and while she's talking, guess what starts flowing out of her? Love. Man, I just, I mean, it was amazing. Just, we started talking about Jesus and started talking about what the Lord has done for us and you could just see, I mean, the love was coming out of her and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, uh, we were there together and, and she mentioned something about uh, taking my hand and, and let's pray and then she, next thing I know, she, we were hugging each other and uh, we were praying for one another but here's what I'm saying is I've never met the woman in my life and she shows up here and love is just pouring out of her. She's overflowing with love. And it touched me and it reminded me, you know what, I hope when I see people that I've never met before, I hope they can see love flowing from me. I hope they see love. I hope I'm overflowing with love. It was funny because while we were talking, she kept calling me Dr. Dale. I said, I love you, ma'am. Dr. Dale, I love it. And she said, well, I can't see good and you look a lot like my doctor too. And I'm like, Lord, help us. You know what, though, I thought about it. She, she wasn't marked by scripture. She, wasn't marked, she didn't come out and started quoting some kind of scripture. She wasn't marked by the Bible she was carrying. She wasn't carrying a Bible. She wasn't marked by some kind of uh, seminary degree or some kind of title. You know what, she got out and was walking through this parking lot and she was marked by love. And that's how we should be. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. And that love that flowed from this precious lady was a love that she had because God loved her. And that tells me this first thing here, that love flows to us from God. Love flows to us from God. Jesus says, as I have loved you. Our love for one another is a love that comes from God. The Bible says God is love. The love that God demonstrates to us is an agape love. That word agape, that word means it's an unconditional love. Holy affection toward us. Unconditional. Holy affection toward us. That's agape love. Agape love is the highest love. It's a supernatural love. It's a supreme love that comes from God. Agape love for this world is an unconditional love. Aren't you thankful that it's unconditional? Man, when I was praying about this and I thought about my own life, and I'm talking about like right now, even in the good and even in the bad and even in the ugly, God still loves me. Aren't you thankful for that? It's an unconditional love. Hallelujah. It, listen, it's not only an unconditional love, it's an undeserving love. Listen, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're lost people. We're broken people. We're wicked people. We don't deserve the grace of God. We don't deserve the love of God. It's an undeserving love. Aren't you thankful that he still loves us enough to love on us even when we don't even deserve it? It's an unending love. 
that no matter what happens in our life, God never stops loving us. He never stops loving us. It's an unending love. It's a never-ending love. I love what the great preacher E.K. Bailey said. He said, we can break God's heart, but we can't break God's love. Hallelujah. We can break the heart of God, but we can't break his love. He will never stop loving us, friend. His love is an unending love. It's an unconditional love. It's an undeserving love. Aren't you thankful for that today? And here's what happens. This love that flows from God to us, it flows to us, and then the next thing you know, it's supposed to flow through us. It flows to us from God, and then it flows through us, and it changes us. How many of you have been changed by the love of God? Praise God. I know in April of 2002, the love of God changed my life. Just thinking back about how angry, that I, the anger that I carried around on the inside of me and felt like a time bomb about ready to tick and blow up at times in my life. And then there was an encounter with Jesus and the love of Jesus Christ. And because the love of Jesus covers a multitude of sin, he came in and he washed me clean. He loved me. He filled me with his love. And that love that God filled me with made me want to share that love to other people as well. Because God's love flows to us and then it flows through us. And God's love should be uh, flowing through all of us to the lives of other people. We should be sharing the love of God. When we leave here today, we should be sharing the love of God at the restaurant that we go to. When we leave here today, we should be sharing the love of God in our homes, sharing the love of God at our workplace, sharing the love of God in our school system. We should be sharing the love of God everywhere we go because God's love flows to us and then through us. But what does it look like? What does God's love look like when we share it? When we share it, let me tell you what it looks like. Paul tells us. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, and, and I'm going to pick up at the very end of 1 Corinthians 12, but the main emphasis here is 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is talking about what God's love looks like when we share it, when it comes to us and flows through us. And Paul says, listen, you can have all the spiritual gifts in the world. You can, you can be a tongue talker. You can be the best praise singer. You can be the best preacher. You can be the best Sunday school teacher. You can be the best whatever. You can have all the spiritual gifts. But if you don't have love, you're nothing. That's what Paul was saying. Because Paul said these words here. He says, listen, you can eagerly desire the greatest gifts. But listen, I love this right here. He says, but now I want to show you the most excellent way. Those ways are great, but I want to show you the most excellent way. And then he goes into this thing about the love of God. And listen, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts, love always hopes, love always perseveres, love never fails. And then Paul goes right on, just another verse or two down. I'll skip down to verse 11, and he's still talking about love. And he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childish ways behind me. You know why he was changed? Because the love of God had changed him. The love of God had changed him. So not only does God's love flow to us, but I want you to notice from this passage here in Corinthians that love lifts us. Love lifts us. You remember that song, love lifted me? When nothing else could help me, love lifted me. Love lifts us. Love gives us a, a, a lift off in life. Because when you experience the love of God in your own life, then guess what you become? You become a love lifter. 
You become a love lifter. We become uh, agents of love. We become carriers of love. We become ministers of love. We become love lifters. Paul said this, the most excellent way. Love is the most excellent way. It's the highest way. If you want to truly lift people, then love is the most excellent way. And the reason why love is the most excellent way is because we're never more like Jesus when we're lifting people with the love of God. We're never more like Jesus than when we're lifting others with the love of God. Love, love is powerful. Love is powerful. I was thinking about this message here and how powerful love is and how it can lift you. And I was thinking about uh, some of the plants that we have in our house. How many of y'all have some plants in your house? You got plants? Come on, you can raise your hand, yeah. I hope they're legal, amen. Amen. All right. We'll move on. We got, we got plants in our house. We got plants in our house. We got some plants there, and uh, Lisa's got some in the windowsill there in the kitchen. We got some there, a uh, little island there in our kitchen. We got some in the living room. Some of them are, are real plants, and some of them are fake plants. The fake plants look really good. They look real good. But when I thought about those plants that we have in our house, it reminded me several years ago I lived in California, and at that time, I was not married, and I was rooming with some guys there in an apartment. And in my bedroom, I had uh, bought two plants, and they were legal plants, by the way. They were very legal. And I had them there, and I bought them from a flea market there in California, in San Diego, and I had them up there. I'm not even sure what kind of plants they were. I had named them. One of them was Thelma, and one of them was Louise. And anyway, they're there in my uh, bedroom there in San Diego, and uh, because of my job in the military, there would be times where my schedule wouldn't allow me to be at home for several days in a row. And, and so when I would come back, I would notice that Thelma and Louise, they had started to wither a little bit, started to look dead. So I'd go to the kitchen and get a glass of water. And it was amazing. You could pour a glass of water in that plant, and, and sometimes it looked like well, just within hours, all of a sudden there was a great revival that took place. That withered plant looked like it had life again. And it reminds you know, one glass of water poured in those plants, those withered plants, and they were beautiful again. One glass of water in those plants, and they were, they were growing again. One glass of water in those withered plants, and the next thing you know, they had life again. And it just reminds me, friend, listen, that's how it is for us. Just like a glass of water is to that plant, that's how love is to a withered soul, a withered heart. Just one little pour of love into somebody that's withered, and they can start to grow again. One little, one little drip of love into somebody's life that things can start to be beautiful again. They may be withered. It might be a family member that's withered in your life, uh, but you need to come along and you need to lift them up with love today. It might be a friend that's withered today because of what's going on, something going on in their life, but you can lift them with love today. It might be a classmate that's withered. It might be a coworker that's withered. It might be a church member that's withered, but we can come alongside of them just like that glass of water into that plant. We can pour love and we can lift them back to life again. Glory to God. Because when we love people, what we're doing is we're watering their soul. We're watering their soul. And God wants to use the church, you and me, to help people and to lift people who've become withered in life. And so many people, listen, look at the day we live in. All you got to do is just walk down the road and go into a department store, go into a grocery store, and you can see all these withered people walking around, and they need somebody to come alongside of them and lift them with love so they can live again and grow again and be beautiful again. God, help the church to be love lifters. God, help us to be powerful love lifters. 
Because Jesus has mandated us to be those love lifters. Love lifters will lift broken people. Love lifters are going to lift up messed up people. Love lifters are going to lift up hurting people. Love lifters are going to love the unlovable. Love lifters are going to love those who believe different than we do. And listen, in these days that we live in, they're dark and they're divided. We need to arise and be uh, love lifters with the love of God because the greatest thing we can do is love one another the way Christ loved us. Can you imagine the impact that would make? Can you imagine the impact that would make right here in our church, right here in our community, right here in our own state, all across this nation and the world, if the church said, you know what, today I'm going to arise and I'm going to be a love lifter and I'm going to love people the way Jesus loved me. Hallelujah. Love lifts us and love lifts other people too. Just like those withered plants, Thelma and Louise. We have to pour love into withered people so they can be lifted. Love lifts us and love stops us. Love stops us. How many of y'all remember that song? Was it Diana Ross and the Supreme Stop in the Name of Love? Some of y'all know. One person knew it. Sometimes, hey, sometimes we need to stop. You know why we need to be stopped? Because sometimes Christians, and I've seen it more than I've ever seen it before, especially in light of everything that's going on, sometimes we need to be stopped because we want to walk and carry out in the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit of God. We need to, we need to let the love stop us from walking in the flesh and responding in the flesh and acting out in the flesh. You know what love will do? Love will stop you from sinning. Love will stop you from going out and ruining your marriage. Love will stop you from living contrary to the word of God. Love will keep you from living a selfish life. Love will keep you from taking revenge. Love will stop us from tearing down people. It's amazing to me, instead of loving people, we're lashing out at people. God has called us not to tear down people. Love will stop you from tearing down people. Love will stop us from saying something that we're going to regret. Love will stop you from putting your two cents worth on social media. But pastor... I'm just loving them and giving them a piece of my mind. Is that how Jesus loves you? Jesus doesn't love us that way. Jesus offers grace. Jesus offers mercy. Jesus offers forgiveness. See, love stops us from lashing out. Love stops us from doing things that we're going to regret. And Paul here in uh, 1 Corinthians, he gives us this list of things. And he's saying love uh, does not. He said love does not. What Paul is saying is love will stop you. Love will stop you. He gives us this list here, and I'm going to read through it. It says, listen, Paul said love will stop you. Love stops us from dishonoring people. Love stops us from being prideful. Love stops us from being envious of others. Love stops us from being easily angered. We need that one today, amen. Love stops us from delighting in evil. Love stops us from keeping record of wrongs. Listen, church, we need, we need to let love stop us, and we need to let it stop us from acting out in the flesh. Please hear me. As we go forward each day, we need to let love stop us from acting out and responding in the flesh. It's going to be easy to want to get on Facebook and let somebody have it. It's going to be easy to somebody to don't think the way you do and vote the way you do. It's going to be easy to want to lash out of them. But we need to let love stop us. We need to let love stop us from reacting in the flesh. I read this story recently about this church in China and their history there 
It was a Chinese church, and they faced all kinds of persecution over the, their, their time in, in history. And, and in this certain church here, there was a persecution that came into that village there, and over 50-some people in that one church were murdered, and most of them were murdered right there in front of their own church members. And what happened was next was the, the spirit of revenge. The spirit of revenge came upon the hearts of those that were in the leadership in that church. And, and even uh, the pastor and some of the leaders, they had plotted and planned to come up with a, a way to go back and retaliate and take out the ones that took out those 50 church members. And they were working on the plan and they had everything in place. And nine young little boys in the church wanted to stand up and they wanted to be able to pray. And those nine little boys stood up and they prayed that God would fill them with love and God would fill them with forgiveness and God would fill them with mercy. And you know what happened next? Love stopped them. Love stopped them. Love stopped them from carrying out that assignment. What they ended up doing was love opened up their hearts and began to flow in them and through them and they began to uh, reach back out to their village there because love will stop you from doing something in the flesh. And love stopped them. Aren't you thankful today that love stops us? Some of you need to let some love stop you. How many of y'all had some love stop you before? Love will stop us. And love will grow us. Love flows in us. Love lifts us. Love stops us. And love grows us. Because Paul said these words right here. He said, when I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I put the childish ways behind me. You know why? Because love grows us. Love grows us. And it causes us to, love grows us and causes us to uh, talk differently and to, and to think differently and to walk differently. Love grows us spiritually. We become more spiritual, mature. Our eyes are open. We grow in our heart toward God and now we know that there's a love that God can give to us that we can love other people. He grows us. Love grows us so we can handle things differently than we used to handle them. Love grows us so we can handle those things differently and we can deal with them differently. Used to, when this would happen, man, you might would lash back or you might would throw a punch or you might do this or you might do that, but now love has grown you and you don't respond the way you used to respond. Aren't you thankful for that? Love grows us to realize what's most important in life and that's the relationship with Jesus Christ. Love grows us. I want you to get this because this is where I'm going to finish up right here. Love grows us so we can help grow other people. Do you hear me? Love grows us so we can grow other people. Love grows us so we can build up other people. And two of the greatest examples of those that have uh, been filled with God's love and have grown in God's love and helped other people grow and build them up in the love of God are two of the sweetest and greatest people I've ever known in my life. And one of them was Miss Joa Swenson. Miss Joa Swenson was a great lady. She was a great godly lady, and she was a great gifted lady. But you know what stood out beyond all, beyond all that about Miss Joa? What stood out was love. What stood out with her was love. She was a lady that was marked by love. She was a lady that overflowed with the love of God. And because she overflowed with the love of God, because she had a love for God and a love for people, she helped grow her family. She helped grow so many in this church. She helped grow me to go on to love God and love other people as well. You see what I'm saying? Love grows us. And her love for God and her love, because she was marked with that love, it, it, it 
impacted, inspired so many people to grow in their walk. Another great example is Mr. James Coley. October makes uh, one year since Mr. James went to heaven. And Mr. James Coley, my goodness, a great man filled with the love of God. He was full of the love of God. And, and he had a love for Jesus and a love for people. He was a soul winning man because he had a love for God and a love for people. And that love that he had that grew in him, it was a love that grew into this family, it grew into this church, and it grew into my life. Listen, friend, he inspired all of us because of his growth in God's love. Love grows us. Love will grow us so we can grow up and be like Miss Joyce and we can grow up and be like Mr. James, putting childish things behind us and, and, and now we're grown up and we're growing in the love of God and that love grows us so we can help other people encounter Jesus and they can grow too. Instead of getting mad and angry and full of hate at what we see going on around us and, and what people are doing, whether it be your family who thinks you're weird but you know they're weird, or whether it be some friends or, or, or whatever it may be, you know what they need. They just need somebody to come alongside them and help them grow in love. Help them to encounter God despite our flaws, despite our failures, despite our mess-ups. Friend, God's love can grow us and he can use us in a powerful way for his glory. Sister, if you want to come and help me here, we're getting ready to wind it down. Jesus modeled love in everything that he did. And Paul says that the most excellent way is love. It's the most excellent way. There's a lot of ways. You understand? There's a, there, there's a lot of ways. There's, there's a way of prayer. There's a way of, of praise. There's all kinds of ways. But Paul says that the most excellent way is love. The most excellent way is love. So God wants us to reflect him. In a nation full of anger, in a nation full of division, God wants us, more than anything, to arise in love, agape love, unconditional love, undeserving love, unending love, that we would have not only toward each other, but to one another and to everybody in this world. And that should be the motivation behind everything that we do. Love should flow because people need love. People need love. You need love. Everybody in this room here needs love. Everybody watching online, they need love. They don't just need some kind of superficial love. They need the love of God. We need the love of God to fill us, to flow in us. People need to know the perfect love of Jesus Christ so their life can be changed. Listen, God's love will change you. And there's so many testimonies in this place where God's love has changed people's lives and changed their hearts. And the only way you will be able to ever arise in love is to be sure that you've received God's love in your own hearts. So you know what that tells me? God's love demands a response. How have you responded to God's love? God's love was demonstrated to all of us even while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us on the cross. He gave his life for everyone watching. He gave his life for everyone here in this room today. He shed his blood so our sins could be forgiven. He was put on a cross and taken down from that cross and put in a grave. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And the Bible says because he lives, we can live forever too. 
But it demand, listen, God's love demands a response. How have you responded? Well, let me tell you how you need to respond. You need to respond in repentance. You need to turn from sin and turn to God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. And then you need to trust in what he did on the cross. He says, if everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you too shall be saved. That means you're going to trust him. You're going to trust by faith what he did on the cross. And here's the last thing. Every decision that you make, it's got to come with a commitment. The Lord really spoke this to my heart. There's a lot of people that are making decisions, but where's the commitment? Because Jesus said, you need to take up your cross. You need to count the cost. And are you willing to commit your life to Jesus today? It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life. You have got to respond to God's love. What will your response be? What will your response be? Would you bow your heads? No one looking, please. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm just going to ask the Lord to have his way over these next few seconds. Have you responded? Have you responded to the love of God? Is God's love flowing in you right now because of your decision to accept Christ as your Lord? And say, if not, right there where you are, you can say, Jesus, I thank you for the love that you demonstrated to me that you would take my place on the cross even while I was an enemy to God, even while I was a sinner. You died for me on the cross. You shed your blood. And Lord, today I'm responding to that love. I'm responding by repenting of my sin and turning away from that life and turning toward you, Jesus, the giver of life. And I'm putting my trust in you because I want to have abundant life here and I want to be with you in heaven one day, God. And I need your love to fill my heart. And I'm committing my life to you right now. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I know I'm not. But I'm committing my life to you because I want my heart to be changed. I want my life to be changed. And it can only truly be changed by your love, God. So I receive you right now. I receive your love. I receive the work that you did on the cross for me. And I say thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me new life. Nobody looking around. No one looking around. I pray that in the name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today, whether it be for the very first time or whether it be just a, a rededication back to God because you want to respond to his love, I wish you would lift your hand right now, please. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. I see you in the back. Is there any others? God bless you. God bless you. Be honest before God. Obey the Lord, friend. Listen, it's the most important decision that you will ever make in your life is responding to the love of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus, we thank you for your love right now, for the church to arise in that love. I thank you for the ones that made commitments to you today, God, made decisions for you today, God. We thank you that your love has penetrated their hearts, God. We thank you, Lord. And God, may that same love, God, may it flow in us right now and flow in us and through us that we can share it with others, God. Lord, we're living in some desperate times and some dark times and some divided times and we need to be filled with your love. God, help us today, God. Pour out your love right now that we can walk around and we can pour it into those that are withered by life, that are withered by their circumstances, that are withered by their situations. God, help us to be love lifters, oh God. God, 
Lord, I pray right now that you would make mine all the first Pentecostal holiness church a love-lifting church. Hallelujah. Fill every one of us with love, God. Fill every one of us with love. Start with the pastor, God, and let it just flow down, Lord, through this church that we would be love lifters. Oh, God, help us, Lord. And may your love stop us from doing anything that we're going to regret. May your love stop us from opening up our mouth and getting in trouble. May your love stop us from taking revenge. May your love stop us, oh, God. And may your love grow us. May your love grow us. That we can become people, Lord, that you've called us to be with a high calling to love those around us. By this, all men will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. And God, we thank you for that love for us and we thank you for the love that works through us. In Jesus' name we pray.